Fandom University. Every other week, we deep dive into the topics we love and obsess over. Comics, novels, movies, sci-fi, and video games receive the elevated discourse they deserve. With your overworked TAs, Sean and Sergio. Hello, welcome to yet another episode of Fandom University. My name is Sergio. My name is Sean. We are barreling, we are hurtling toward the end of season one. We are in the final episode of our Batman arc in which we discuss the Batman, the brand new major motion picture, the talkie, if you will, starring Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz. Uh, who else is in that movie? Who else Paul Dano. Paul Dano. And several other people whose name is <laughs> John Turturro, Colin Farrell, um, all the luminaries in the night sky. We So episode one, we discussed the Tim Burton Batman movies. In episode two, we discussed the Batman 89 comic book series, which sort of retcons the Batman Forever and Batman and Robin and continues the Burton verse, if you will, or if you won't, you know, no pressure here. Uh, but that that is what it is. So if you're yeah, not, like you're, you, you're, being, yeah, you're if just you, denying if, a yeah, if you don't, you're just being a petulant child. And it's, you know, I'm not. I'm also not going to hold that against you. Yeah, this uh, is fandom university. Yeah, we are I nothing mean, if not petulant children. Yeah, that's, that's that's all we are here at on this campus, on this college campus. Uh, that's part of the admissions process. Like, how petulant can you be? And then you, if you just sit there and refuse to answer, like, well, you're in, you're in, Bucko. <laughs> it doesn't matter Full what ride. Your GPA, <laughs> your SAT scores. <laughs> so let's talk uh, before uh, we had on top of all that. We have an amazing discussion with Eddie Davidson, uh, professor to the stars, uh, his, the stars being his students, uh, <laughs> a writer extraordinaire, writer of of um, fictions, uh, yeah, of, of of several books and a new one to come out soon. Uh, and he's a lifelong Batman fan. And so we have an awesome discussion later on in the episode with him. Uh, but let's, before we get into that, let's, let's discuss the Batman. How, how did it make you feel? Pleasantly surprised. Okay. So what were your, ex- I, I am dealing with the, um, not dilemma, but just the, the, the thought of, of lowered expectations and then coupled with, um, like a satisfied outcome. Well, how, what were your expectations going into the movie? And if they were low, do you think that tempered how you felt about it? I feel like, I mean, so I, I kind of went in with mixed feelings because I like Matt Reeves. Um, I've liked everything of his that I've seen that he's worked on. Um, so, but the trailers hadn't done a lot for me up for the movie. Like it just, the, it looked exhausting. And when I heard it was three hours long, I didn't know if I could take three hours of the tone. I felt like that trailer was presenting, um, you know, and, and so I guess I was going in with sort of a feeling of hope, but sort of a forlorn hope, like, like, and not like it was even going to be the movie's fault. It was more just like, I don't know if I am in a place where a three hour, super serious Batman movie 
in 2022 is my, is going to be my happy place. You know what I mean? For sure. For sure. Um, but, but I wouldn't say they were, it, it, I wouldn't say they were lowered. It wasn't like I was expecting a disaster. I thought I was going to end up enjoying the movie. And I feel personally like my expectations were exceeded that it was actually not that I thought it was going to be bad. I thought it was probably going to be pretty good or at least watchable. And I thought it was really good, like super solid. What about you? My, my expectations were pretty much about the same. Uh, The idea of a super serial three hour Batman movie uh, did not appeal to me to the point where uh, like, my wife, my wife, and I had made plans to to watch it, and I almost um, like uh, unsold her on it. I was like, "Hey, do you really <laughs> want to go ahead and, and and watch this?" She's like, "Well, shit, when you put it like that, I, I mean, you make it seem like it's gonna be a, a chore." And I was like, "Ah, fuck it, let's go. It's a, it's a Batman picture. Let's you know, it's a Batman talkie. We can't miss that. It's a social event of the season." And uh, but we weren't going to we we watched that hoe at like two in the afternoon like this was not you didn't go to the thursday night show like me yeah well yeah we did not see it uh like first thing in fact we saw it a week after it been out so um if anything i so my expectations leading up to the release were pretty low um but then i had a whole week of people appearing um and i try to stay relatively spoiler free but um but folks on the interwebs on on mark zuckerberg's internet that it was very that it was a really good movie that it was very good uh but of course there were people also on jeff bezos internet saying that uh justice league was a good movie and um so you can't trust those people on the internet they'll say all ultimately sorts of, you have to make up your own mind uh they'll say all sorts of things um mm-hmm. so we went to the to the talkies we went to the cinemaplex uh and about an hour into it, which is crazy because you think like uh, an hour into it, you still you're like let you're less than forty percent uh, done with the movie. <laughs> uh, about an hour into it, or maybe not even that long. I think it might have been just like thirty minutes into it, thirty to forty five minutes into it. I turned to my wife and I was like, "This is really fucking good," and she's like, "I'm loving this so far." And it it really appeals to her like your love of true crime and uh, like little touches here and there about um, like the detective work that apply that the forensics work and all that, 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 um, that rang true. Uh, but no, like you said, it's super solid. It's, I mean, uh, I, now that I've in, we discussed this after I'd watched it and it's now a little over a month in or a month out. And I, I think it, I, I said this then, and I'll say this now, I think it's still true that it, for me, it is the, my second favorite Batman movie behind dark Knight. And um, the only reason it's behind Dark Knight is because it's it's lacking that like really that powerhouse performance that Heath Ledger like Heath Ledger's in the Dark Knight, you know. But not to say that any of the performances were terrible in Batman. They, everything everything about the movie is solid. Everything about the movie it just works. Yeah, it just it, it somehow works. You've got Robert Pattinson uh, playing Batman, playing a very emo Batman literally listening to nirvana and telling the man who raised him that he's not his real dad uh, and it fucking works and it and man it works zoe kravitz is great in it uh yeah it's um paul dano's fantastic um you know really yeah, he's really scary yeah 
Uh, I never thought I'd find the Riddler scary, but. No, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, uh, someone was like, why do we call him the Riddler? Why don't we call him the murderer? Like, he's, a, <laughs> um, but no, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, I hope that we get to see it's, uh, I mean, as quickly as Dune got greenlit for a sequel, which, I, of course, like, it opens it up for it, it Dune it's left designed, it open, yeah, it's designed yeah. for a sequel, whereas the Batman could stand alone. Uh, but I'm still surprised they haven't announced a sequel is is moving forward. I'm sure it's probably just about getting contracts and everything. I, I'm sure it's only they're just waiting for the moment because I think it's done pretty well and it's been critically acclaimed. So like, I think even if it didn't do huge numbers, I think we might end up in a Batman Begins situation where Batman Begins did okay but it didn't do anything like the dark Knight, And it really through word of mouth and on home video, people were like, Oh, Batman's good again. Oh, right. I remember and this. that sort of won them back. So I think one way or another, we're going to get a sequel. Um, and I just hope that um, if they're interested, the same creative team comes back to tell more of this story. Well, let's um, let's go ahead and uh, segue that into our discussion with Andy Davidson. We're sitting here with Professor Andy Davidson, who uh, is a lifelong Batman fan. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, obviously, like you're a professor, you're a Batman fan. So I think that kind of speaks to why we're talking to you for this episode. But uh, go ahead and say hello and and, and elaborate on, on why we have you on the show. Uh, yeah. So hi, everyone. Um, I have been uh, a Batman fan since I don't remember when. I know when it really began to matter to me. Um, uh, I haven't done any particular scholarship with Batman, so my being a, a teacher of creative writing doesn't really factor into it other than my own experience with Batman and its his influences on me, you know, as a writer and uh, as an artist, I guess. But um, no, I've been I've been in love with Batman since I was 10 years old. It was the summer of 1989, uh, as we will all probably say at one point, you know, in our lives <laughs> as as um young youngish batman fans um so yeah no i'm just happy to be here i'm like i said i I think i was born for this conversation in some way so to talk about batman inconsequentially for as long as you want (laughs) you mentioned uh you've been uh you said like it wasn't you've been a batman fan for as long as you can remember but it didn't start mattering until a certain point what do you mean by that well, when I was a kid, I was a big fan of um, just the idea of Batman. Like I, I loved the Adam West 1966 film. I, my, I go to my grandparents' house because, like, when I was, I guess when I was seven or, or eight, we still didn't have a VCR. Uh, this would have been the mid '80s, maybe. Um, so they had a top loader VCR at my grandmother's house, one of those really early models. And um, I would always take rentals with me to watch. And one of those things was uh, Batman, the movie, 1966. And I loved Batman no matter what. I mean, as a kid, you're watching um, a lot of silly things play out in that movie and you're not getting a lot of subtext. You're not really understanding the irony of that film. Um, you're just interested in Batman and Robin, uh, speeding along in the bat boat or in the Batmobile or in the Batcopter or, you know, using bat, uh, shark repellent spray. (laughs) So 
I was a, I was a fan of Batman in that sense, but I didn't have like any like deep um, passion for the character. Um, and then uh, I guess it was, it was the spring of my year, uh, fifth grade year. All right. So I, I was, I went in one day and before, before class started that day, this kid uh, named Billy who sat a couple of seats over from me um and if you want to picture him sort of picture uh thurman merman from <laughs> bad santa that's pretty much this kid uh thurman merman um who never said a word and then suddenly one day i guess i was wearing a t-shirt or something and he said you know there's going to be a batman movie and michael keaton is going to play batman and i immediately said to him that's not true it can't be true this can't be true like mr mom is gonna play batman (laughs) and uh it wasn't that day but it was maybe a few days later a week later i'm i'm at home i'm watching tv and a promo for the film comes out and i had seen nothing about it and the image that i saw on tv was batman dropping through the skylight uh, at the art museum right and that blew my mind. Like that was something I had never seen before, like in any incarnation. Cause I, I wasn't a comic book reader, uh, like a devoted comic book reader. I was, I was super friends, you know, I watched super friends. I was in the cartoons. Um, and so I was hooked on it after that and kind of, I bought everything I could. I bought books about the movie. I bought comic book adaptations of the movie. Um, I got into it in a big way and then saw the film in a in an old theater that was in the the town where i was born um which has since become a venue for music uh but it was this one of these old sort of small town movie palaces and um it was wonderful i i can still i still have the sensory experience of seeing it you know the way it sounded the way it felt in the theater um and it changed my world because it was the kind of movie that I think it comes along to, for everybody, some sort of experience at a certain age between 10, 11, 12, there's like this fulcrum between um, what childhood and adulthood or like this transition out of um, maybe into adolescence. Child- yeah. Into adolescence. Yeah. And and I think for some people, it was Star Wars. I know my wife could talk all day about how Star Wars was that movie for her when she was 11 years old. And Batman was that for me. And so it was like this awakening. Like suddenly I, I didn't just want to watch movies. I wanted to know how movies were made. I wanted to know what a production designer did, what a map painter did. Um, I wanted to know how a costumer worked. I wanted to know how scripts were written. Um, I started reading movie novelizations. (laughs) I have a huge collection of those just because of Batman. Um, So anyway, that was it for me. Like I started drawing, I started writing stories um, almost as a reaction to that film. So, so Batman became the, the, the source of, of my creativity for quite a while. You know, it's interesting. I think that's something that I've sort of rediscovered over the course of recording these episodes is it you know that movie's been with us for 33 years now I think and Mm -hmm. 
you know, so it's been easy to take for granted. And we've had so many Batman movies since then. In fact, Sergio sent me uh, <laughs> something earlier today saying there are more living actors who've played Batman than there are living U.S. presidents. <laughs> you know, um, Like we've been spoiled for Batman. Um, yeah. So it's easy. It's been easy for me to forget or what this this has kind of helped me remember, like what like an explosive event that was in our childhoods and how formative it was. Sergio and I were a little younger than you, but it definitely was like a formative experience, I think, for both of us. And it's something that's been nice to reclaim as an adult, because I did go through a period of not feeling so great about the the Tim Burton movies, uh, especially, you know, in the middle of the Christopher Nolan trilogy. And um, one of the nice things about having so many different versions of Batman is that, you know, um, it, I don't know, it, it seems like a big tent and the older I get, the less I feel like it only needs to look one way, you know, like yeah, Adam a, West belongs there It's a Batman for every mood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a Batman for every season. Uh, yeah, um, and uh, it's, yeah, I mean, for me, like it wasn't as, you know, as much, uh, I mean, it sounds like it was like a religious experience for you, Andy, but I do I remember, say, yeah. I remember thinking like, it was very formative for me. I remember thinking like, like comic books are cool. Like, you know, they're like, you know, funny stories. They can be action packed, but I was like, there was just something so visceral and different about, about the Batman 89, how it was filmed, how it looked uh, mm -hmm. just, you know, it, and the sort of uh, the aesthetic that they chose is sort of like, you know, film noir, everyone, like all the men are wearing trench coats and fedoras and the cars and, are old fashioned. And yeah, just, like, it the exists art, outside of time. Yeah. Like yeah. the art deco or, you know, like the style of architecture is like, it's like it didn't look like anything I'd ever seen before. And as a result, like, you know, it, it made me feel things and think things I never felt or thought before. And one of those being like, oh, shit, like comic books can like can be like awesome, not just like fun. They can be fantastic. Like it, like and and it's success, you know, and, and the fact that everyone was getting to see it, uh, you know, just sort of reinforced that for me. Mm -hmm. One thing I wanted to ask you guys that just occurred to me is I think part of the problem like I loved superheroes like like you you know Andy or Sergio like I, I my first exposure to them was tv movies you know the Christopher Reeve Superman um I adored uh all all four of those um you know to me they were all they were all good they were all Superman the Adam West Batman tv show um super friends things like that and I think that the that Batman and and the the first Christopher Reeve Superman for that matter to me it was harder to get into the swing of comic books because those movies have these big dramatic moments that just aren't as possible in an ongoing regular monthly comic book because the story has to be more of a soap opera and is not allowed to have such a dramatic arc I think and I think that kept me from becoming a more religious comic book reader until I was older. And I was curious if you guys experienced something the same or if you were just readers from that point on, just loved it, you know? Well, I can, I can sort of say about, I read comic books before Batman. Um, my, I'm from Arkansas and my, my parents grew up uh, sort of, or at least my dad did uh, in a rural uh, world. And, one of the things that carried over into life from his childhood was fishing. We, my parents loved to go fishing. 
uh, just casually fishing off a, off a pier, you know, not like uh, in a boat or anything, not anything that required equipment um, other than a pole and a bucket. But uh, they would, I hated fishing. I, <laughs> I, I sometimes wonder if like, that was like, my dad looks back on that as one of his great failures as a father is that he couldn't get me to, <laughs> to love fishing. But uh, when my parents would go fishing, I would, we would stop at the store, uh, like a gas station near the, near the lake where we used to go in, in Louisiana. Um, and they would buy bait and I would check out the spinner rack. And so a lot of the comics that I read as a kid were just sort of randomly grabbed based on right. that looks cool. I want to read that. So I read a lot of Conan the Barbarian. I read some Flash. I read a lot of the Punisher. Yeah, I mean, those were the things that we, you could find on the rack. And, and I loved those. Um, but they were not like I wasn't reading them as part of some ongoing series. I wasn't keeping up with the books. Um, I would, I would sit in the car while my parents went to fish <laughs> and I would read comic books. Um, which again, it strikes me like now that's just such a different time. Like, you know, parents now would be afraid their children would be abducted if you left them in a car and you were over the hill fishing. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Um, but no, I wasn't a big reader of comics. And then, um, when Batman happened, I became aware of comic books because of, you know, that, like the idea of what comic books could be, their history, their, their place in the world, uh, how they were changing based on society and the world was changing, how characters like Batman had changed over time. Uh, so I started buying Batman comics. And the first thing that I bought, um, or I say I bought, really my parents bought for me because I was 11 years old, was The Dark Knight Returns. Well, and so that's like right into the wow, deep like, end yeah. of like, yeah. Um, but the reason I bought it was because, or uh, it was given to me as a Christmas gift. The reason I wanted it was uh, I was in a Walden books in a mall and I saw these guys who were probably in their twenties. One of them worked at the store. One of them was a customer and they were talking about this book, um, this, this book that looked really cool on their shelves. And they were just like, Oh yeah, man, I got that book. I put it up on my shelf. It looks so fucking cool on my, on my <laughs> shelf. And I'm a kid standing there eavesdropping and I'm thinking, what book are they talking about? And it's, it's this leather bound version of the dark Knight returns, which includes um, I want to say a couple of other Frank Miller stories in it. And I see it on the shelf and I'm like, yeah, that book does look cool. <laughs> and that was the first time as a kid, I started thinking about books as something that you didn't just dispose of, like you read it and you're done with it. You, you put it on your shelf, you know, you admire it, you, you keep it, you, you take care of it. You have it because it's a thing of value apart from just your experience of reading it. Um, and so that was kind of my segue with Batman was that I, I started placing a higher value on comic books from that point forward, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I remember um, uh, the, uh, one of the okay, there's several instances of Sean and I living together. What, um, but one of them was when we were going to um, put our hardcover copies of like you know the uh, collected edition of Watchmen, like the Killing Joke stuff like that. Uh, because to quote Sean, we treat liter uh, comics as literature in this house. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. By then, I was a full full bore comic book reader, and I think you know. Um, an interesting thing about that a friend of mine um, said about, you know, the, there's the two big 
superhero companies, right? There's Marvel and there's DC. Um, and something that this, this friend of mine said was that to him, like the Marvel books are something he feels like he needs to keep up with month to month because he's so invested in those characters, like the X-Men or Spider-Man or whatever. Like he needs to know what's going on with them every single month or week or however long. But the DC stuff, he says that he loves, but he's more interested in like, you know, the one-off stuff like Dark Knight Returns or the killing joke. Like, and most of, to be fair, most of the, 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 the most famous Batman stories are sort of outside of the monthly book, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, I mean, there are a couple of exceptions, like, you know, uh, Death in the Family, but but by and large, you know, Long Halloween is its own series. Um, Hush mm -hmm. was actually in the main book, but yeah. Um, I, it's I don't interesting know. I, too, like some of the most famous stories are relatively recent, um, you know, past a Death in the Family and um, the Dark Knight stuff that Miller did and Batman year one, which was, that was in the regular book. Yeah. That was in the regular, but, but like, like hush and the long Halloween, uh, the, the, those books like are more recent. I, I, I only really ever bought collected stuff with Batman. I didn't buy comics. So I have on my shelf up here, uh, we can't see it, but I, I had a lot of, um, uh, collected things. So, or graphic novels. Um, I had, uh, like, Rachel Ghoul. Um, there were three books that were part of a trilogy. Trilogy with that. Um, oh yeah, the was, Birth uh, of the Demon. Birth the... of the Demon. Yeah, uh, Son of the Demon and something else. Uh, Bride of the Demon, maybe. Maybe. Um, um, the Cult that Bernie Wrightson did the art for. Uh, that was a collected one that I had. Although I did see the individual deluxe editions in the comic book store that I shopped in, and was very much like. I want that and did, <laughs> did not did I did not actually own any of the individual editions until about um two weeks ago when I found them in an antique store oh wow like three dollars a piece you know first editions excellent shape so so yeah I I didn't buy the Batman series I have recently gone through and cataloged a lot of my comics and in looking at them I'm kind of surprised at how few Batman um issues like i have issues yeah i do have a few of the nightfall issues from 93 i've got a couple of annuals things that looked like they could be read in and of themselves you know and not part of a series so or just had really cool covers well i know also as a kid growing up um pretty impoverished i don't know you know um what your financial background was like i i know that that was something that i put a premium on with my comic books was like could I read the whole story? You know, yeah. did it have the whole thing or, and I think that was why I resisted Marvel for so long. Although, you know, eventually I did fall in love with it once I had some disposable income and also Marvel was going through like a golden age in the early 2000s. So, um, but, but yeah, it, it, so, and I, I felt like when I was a kid, at least I, I remember even, even when Sergio and I were in high school, I felt like DC was a little bit better at at least in the late nineties, whenever I started really reading comic books, like um, the self-contained stories or the, the arcs that weren't, you know, that basically it wasn't like Chris Claremont's X-Men where you had to know 20 years worth of stuff to be able to understand, yeah. you know, this issue of justice league or whatever. Um, 
Yeah, that's why I liked Conan so much. Um, my I came from a pretty middle class background, but my parents were both teachers. Um, so, and we taught. We lived in a, a rural, uh, small community. So we small town. We didn't have access to a comic book shop that I ever went to. And I, even if there were one, I wouldn't have a way to get there because my parents were very much like we go to school, we go home, you know, we go to church. That's it. Um, we go see family. That's it. If we go to the movies, it's a special occasion because I've begged them to take me. <laughs> um, but I would buy them at the grocery store. And so I looked for the ones like, like Conan, where you could actually get single issues that told a complete little story or those, those special magazines, Marvel put out some of those, like the, the kind the of larger editions, format. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Or I think the Punisher had a magazine and there was a, there was a savage sort of Conan uh, that was a sort of large format book um yeah, but yeah art in that one yeah 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 access was a thing with me just having access to comics on a regular basis was hard well i was gonna say like so you know batman's been you know one of the most popular superheroes pretty much since he was created and that's go almost a hundred years from now or a hundred years uh, nearly a hundred years ago you know but for every batman for every Superman, there are a million um, like Tex Thompsons or like Slam Bradleys, <laughs> you know, like characters that, you know, might still be around, but never really caught on. You know, what is it? What do you think it is about Batman that makes him so enduring? I think there's a cool factor with him that's been present from the beginning that's never dropped. I mean, even with the Adam West TV series, there was a hipness in that show of the time period Right, right that that existed and you know we we sort of like kind of cock our heads at it a little bit now maybe but but it was very much of the time period a hip show and i think the incarnations of batman since have been uh very cool um with the exception of a few things in the mid 90s that joel schumacher <laughs> was involved with um uh, but even then you know he tried in the first film i think a little bit to to do something yeah, Batman Forever. But um, uh, I would say, too, um, Batman is in the pantheon of like DC heroes. I mean, I, and I'm not speaking as a knowledgeable, like deep knowledge person, but I would say he's a singular creature. You know, like DC is so much about, just from a kind of layman's point of view, DC is so much about gods and mythology. Right. Here, here you have Batman who has no superpower, uh, has no, you know, particular um, gifts that have been bestowed upon him uh, other than his wealth, which is the joke. What in, in Batman was it? In Batman the Justice League. Yeah. Justice League. Yeah. What's your superpower? I'm rich, um, <laughs> which that's a whole other conversation. Right. But um but I think in Batman, like he's this singular creature that um, he is us. Like all the other, all the other characters are aspirational, in a sense of, or not aspirational, but ideals. Um, so, like Superman is a god that is representative of the thing that we aspire to. Uh, if you want to take it to a spiritual plane, like perfection. Like if, um, if we had all this power, we would be this good. Right. Um, Batman is someone who has the power that he has because he has claimed it for himself. 
And in so doing, um, he is more like us. He is full of rage. He's full of anger. He's full of um, distrust of society, people. And I think there's a darkness to that character that is really what makes him so singular in that, and that he's more of a reflection of how we really are. I mean, if most of us were rich and we had superpowers, or at least we were, we had the ability to do the things he does, um, maybe we would do them. Maybe we'd, we would be worse than, than that. I don't know, but, but I think he's some part of us. And, and whereas those other characters are more what we wish we could be. If that makes sense. I think you you got an excellent point when you you say it's like the movies are like he's kind of a, he reflects us and uh, more to your point that you're making about um, like the '60s Batman movie or the '60s Batman series for its time was very cool was a very like hip show like we might look at it as camp now but you know when it was airing it was considered you know uh, in vogue and so like. So every like iteration of Batman that we get is kind of a reflection of what we're going through as a society. Mm-hmm. You know, the Christopher Nolan, you know, post 9-11 yeah. uh, series is very much grounded in reality where, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you know, yeah, we have like, you know, comic book characters like the Joker as the villain and, and, and Bane as, as a villain. But, you know, it's, you know, these are, they're not, you know, larger than life. Like they they're psychopaths and terrorists exactly you know when yeah. that's when that when at a time that that that's who we see as the as the real bad guys in a real world and and now like you know we've got the batman that's like so dark as like as dark as it's ever been as batman's ever been i would argue in, in the cinema um but yeah i think that's a that's a very valid point like you know there are batman's very multifaceted and can kind of, and that's also probably why he's been so popular is that he can kind of shape shift. Yeah. Kind of be whatever we uh, are interested in him being (laughs) whatever we need him to be. He's the hero we need. (laughs) Well, and that's actually, yeah, I was going to say, that's a great point uh, that, that, that the dark Knight actually makes. So yeah. um, There's the, um, if you trace that kind of evolution of the character, I, I, I sort of feel like there's a, there's, there's a constant shifting and morphing, at least with the films. And I, you know, I, talking about films, um, it's, it's, it's almost like, um, I feel like in the 66 Batman, we're looking at the character um, who he's this vigilante that's actually this deputized symbol of law and order. I mean, they make a point of saying, Commissioner Gordon makes a point of saying they're not vigilantes, they're deputized. Right. Um, <laughs> Uh, citizens and um so we get into the 89 batman and suddenly he's like this response to a lack of law and order there's corruption in the city there's corruption in politics and batman is there to to bring law and order because law and order can't um in the schumacher films it morphs into this kind of repressed tortured uh emblem of masculinity right in batman forever and then by the by the time we get to batman and robin it's like this camp parody of masculinity um which that's again like we don't need to talk about batman and robin um (laughs) but nolan sort of picks up the crime angle in society and hangs the ills of society on batman and he kind of suggests at least in my mind that batman's very existence is a catalyst for violence 
Um, so you get the idea at the end that Gordon introduces in Batman Begins about escalation. You're putting on a mask and jumping off of rooftops. People are going to get weirder. Criminals are going to get weirder. Um, and so by the time, yeah, we get to the Dark Knight, he's actually a scapegoat. He's an outlaw. He is um, constantly shifting in his roles. And so I think what Reeves does in the Batman is he takes all of that that's come before and he mixes it all up and what we get is this kind of fragile broken kid who's taken on the burdens of um well of society that may be beyond him i mean he can't carry these burdens exactly and he's trying to and not doing such a great job of it and that's one of the things i loved about the movie is how this is a Batman we haven't seen before. It's a Batman who's kind of screwing up and not doing a good job. Um, at least in terms of like making Gotham a better place. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. That was um, what made it so refreshing. And something that also, you know, Sergio, you had mentioned that, you know, the Matt Reeves, you know, the Batman being the darkest batman's ever been and i would say yes and no because it leans into hope in the final moments you know like it i was really afraid from the trailers you know where he's like i am vengeance that that was going to be the whole tone of the movie and instead like that's a starting point and you know that it becomes a running joke through the runtime you know because uh, selena kyle is calling him vengeance um <laughs> and um and then actually him, you know, walking into the light, literally leading people into the light at the end, which I thought was not, which was not an image I expected to see in a Batman movie. And I found surprisingly moving as well. Oh, yeah. We see that, yeah. we see that shot in the trailer. I just, we have no context for it. Right. And yeah. Oh, with I, him, with the, the, with the, with the flare. Yeah, it's true. We don't know what we're looking at. And yeah. so, but yeah, like, I mean, I, I to your point, yeah, he, there's, it's definitely, you know, it definitely has leans into hope at the end. And, you know, it's a, it's the fact that he, he obviously knows, like it starts off, he, he's explaining how he's a symbol of fear for, you know, for the criminal element in Gotham. Like, you know, you see like various like crimes that have been committed and then, you know, the, the perpetrator, you know, fearing that Batman's like in, in the shadows or like, you know, around the corner and he realizes like, okay, I can, I can do that. But, you know, the people like the, 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 the good people of Gotham need something on like on the flip side of that. You know, if there's something on one side of the scales that's going to like strike fear into the heart of the criminal element, there's got to be something to, you know, put hope into the hearts of everyone else. And he realized, like, I can I can do both those things. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was something that you know, for, for better or worse that the Zack Snyder Batman, you know, the Ben Affleck Batman, he was, I think, trying to arc towards, it's just, he started from such a dark place with Batman as like a murderer who's branding (laughs) criminals, uh, you know, that it, that it was kind of hard to, to make that jump back. Um, even though that's what his arc in Batman V Superman is supposed to be. I don't feel like it ever successfully completes that transformation to the version we get in um, either version of Justice League. Um, but I, I do feel like Snyder was kind of trying to do that. And Nolan also, I think, you know, was trying to make Batman to 
I think he was leaning into the like the civic duty of it all a little bit too, but I've never seen it. That is one thing I felt like this movie did better than any other Batman movie I've seen before, both for giving the character himself some hope too, like mm-hmm. making it like it was the first time since the 1989 movie where it felt like he was more a part of the community at the end of the movie than he was at the beginning. Mm-hmm. To me, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I guess you could argue Dark Knight Rises he is too, but I, I haven't given as much thought to that. Well, it's funny you mentioned that. I I guess part of my my whole little thing here is that I my I show my my bias because I leave out certain things in talking about the films. Um, the Dark Knight Rises is is a film that I actually I despise, um, and <laughs> and that is with great apologies to either of you if if you love that movie. Um, I really enjoyed The Dark Knight, and I thought that The Dark Knight Rises just didn't feel like a batman movie to me it it there's a couple of scenes that are great in it but um i remember the experience of sitting in the theater we saw it in imax and there weren't very many people there at the time um and there was this little kid with his parents or his grandparents actually had brought him to the movie i think and he had on a batman t-shirt he was adorable and he's sitting there through the movie and you know before the movie started he's excited he's he's in his seat he can't sit still he's ready for his batman movie the movie rolls by the time that movie was over that kid just like slogs out of the theater (laughs) and i remember thinking okay there is nothing in this movie for that 10 year old boy this movie is not the the experience that he wanted um and i think in the batman as much as it is dark and as much as it is you know, just a, a a really like kind of gritty, bleak looking film. I think there is something there for that 10 year old boy in that movie. And that's a great virtue of it. And going back to that idea, like, I don't know if Sean, you might've said this, but somebody on Twitter this week, I noticed had posted something to the effect of, is there anything more Batman than Batman saving a child? Or trying to save a child. I wish that had been me, but no. Yeah, I, I can't remember who said it. I, I saw it in my, in my feed. And so I think about that, that relationship between Batman and, and kids a lot. And, and so in the movie at the end, when he's approaching the rubble and he reaches out for, for the mayor elect and she won't take his hand. Uh, and then he reaches for the kid and the kid just willingly puts his hand out. That's, that's the moment for me yeah. that says, this is, this is really something special because he's, he's figured out like Reeves knows what we know, you know, like Reeves yeah. understands that this is what Batman can be. He can be both this dark monstrous figure, but he can also be this aspirational hope that the city can rally behind. And that's, that's that great ending at the end of him covered in ash standing in daylight, you know, helping people. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't really considered that angle of it, but you're absolutely right. I mean, because at core, I think that's another reason why kids like Batman so much is because it's about a kid who basically lives through the scariest thing a kid can imagine, which is losing his parents. Yeah, you're exactly um, like even if you hate your parents they're still the people tip usually who are you know feeding you so like you know losing them is like the your entire world going you know sideways and 
basically grows up to try and prevent that from happening to anyone else ever again, you know, or within his power. Um, mm-hmm. And that at heart, he still is a little kid, you know, and mm. the gadgetry, the, the, the pageantry of it is stuff that like a little boy would think, would think up. up. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and no, and you know, I was gonna say, I love, I do love that payoff with the kid, with the, the, uh, the commissioner's son um because there's that scene with after they you know after the commissioner is murdered and you know like and batman sees himself you know in that little boy Mm -hmm. and you know and then the boy also like there's a there's a pause you know when he looks at batman and i can only imagine because of how it pays off at the end of the movie that he thinks like you know this like even batman is here like you know even like batman cares that my dad is gone and so, you know, when the mayor-elect won't take his hand, the kid, they're like, oh, I can trust this guy. This is a guy who, like, was there at my lowest moment. Like, he's not someone to be feared. He's someone to be trusted. And to your point, like, yeah, like, Matt Reeves, like, understands that about the character. Like, he's someone to be feared, but also trusted. And it's entirely up to you, like, where you sit, where you <laughs> right. are on that fence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um... Oh, go ahead, Andy. Oh, well, I was just gonna. We just watched um, just recently. We we every now and then pick up an episode of the animated series, and we just watched the one uh, today. I I've got Batman in my basement. I love and, that one. Yeah, it, it's great, and that's that's the line that that one walks. Is if you're a criminal trying to steal a Fabergé egg, you know, if you're the penguin, you better be afraid of Batman. But if you're if you're this kid that that does things to help batman you know um he's your ally so yeah and it, it's it's really funny I, we got a kick out of like how <laughs> when batman saves the two kids in the warehouse um he throws them out the door and is just like get out of here <laughs> there's no like there's no warmth or anything he's like get out so yeah um yeah the animated series i think for to my mind, and maybe it's a generational thing, but is still the platonic version of Batman, like the most perfect incarnation of the character, um, like the best of all worlds in, in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. You know, taking the the Burton aesthetic, but also fusing it to a wide variety of stories and like growing that world out in really fun and interesting ways. Um, and that that is one thing I guess I would say, you know, as I've been listening to you guys talk about this, um, that I feel about the Reeves movie too, is I feel like it also understands like the movie, in addition to being dark, in addition to the, you know, the, the, the more spiritual leanings of, you know, its message, like it's also a lot of fun to watch. You like it actually like there are a lot, you know, there, there aren't a lot of jokes in it necessarily. Like I, there was only like, I think one laugh in the theater when I saw it and it might've been whenever he's in the squirrel suit and he just, (laughs) (laughs) shit. Yeah. Just lands in the street and limps away. But, um, we, 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 uh, we got a laugh on, um, in the scene where he's in Selena's apartment and he just says, you got a lot of cats. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah there, I mean, there, there are a couple of liners, but I mean, I, I kind of like the fact that, you know, like at what point did comic book or what did comic book movies were like, are they like, when do they be, have to become funny? Like when do they have to be action comedies? You know, that's sort of, right. sort of like the Marvel of it all. 
where you know you have to have like the the superhero delivering quips um you know why this is more of uh and i and i don't want to i hate to say like you know uh it's an adult version like you know like because kids you know because i mean it's a it's a little dark for kids but there is so much to be to be enjoyed as you know from a child like from the the chase scene you know from like that initial like uh revving of the batmobile engine yes. you know and the reveals <laughs> like i can imagine like being like you know like you know being the 11 10 you know 10 11 year old andy watching batman 89 being that version in 2022 and watching that and thinking like oh shit like this is mm-hmm. awesome and yeah. so yeah like i mean it's i think it i think it and let's just let's go ahead what, what how what, how do you feel about the batman i both sean and i have talked about it and we both loved it i i loved it i i thought you know i part of the 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 curse of being a writer uh and you know i don't know sean if you would agree with this or not but is that you do tend to walk out of things and pick them apart and question things and story story points and things like that so i will say like yeah sure i walked out of it and there were a couple of things that i thought you know there were there were one or two things I would have done differently, kind of third act stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it, so what? I mean, I got a three hour Batman movie with, you know, an amazing car chase and a Batman that has a voiceover narration, just like in the comics. And it's true, we haven't really had that before, have we? No, I, we've had the closest, I can't like, here we go again, <laughs> Batman forever is the closest <laughs> we come to that with a voiceover from Val Kilmer's character about uh, his Bruce Wayne is talking about memories. Um, and that's the closest we come. And, and again, whole other conversation, but yeah, no, I love the Batman. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was great. I think, I think since the Burton film, I haven't enjoyed a Batman film as much um, just seeing it and experiencing it. Um, my, my quips are very minor, you know, or my quibbles are very minor. Um, one thing that I would like to see uh, in a Batman movie that I, I guess we kind of saw a nod toward it in the Zack Snyder Batman V Superman film um, with <laughs> the infamous Martha um (laughs) we um we saw it a little bit there i guess some attempt but a real attempt let's put it that way um to deal with with her character martha wayne's character as a more of a touch touchstone for bruce wayne uh most of these movies have concerned themselves with thomas wayne and the legacy of fathers and sons right you know there's there's tons of lines in all of these films about oh the you know sins of the father the father and the son and i don't want to spend the rest of my remaining years grieving for the loss of you know old friends or their sons that was alfred's line in the yep. burton film mm-hmm. so i would love to see something done with a tether between bruce wayne and martha wayne so they do this cool thing where they kind of pull in that great stuff from uh, Arkham Asylum with uh, the 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 Arkham was it the diary or whatever that he keeps oh yeah the, the spirit of wife, Arkham yeah yeah his wife committed suicide um, so there's some of that that they try to to kind of shift off of that I feel like that's what they're pulling from a little bit onto Martha and that history in the in the film there but they don't um, 
they don't follow all, it very far yeah they don't and they don't develop it she's just sort of a a reason for thomas wayne to do what he does in his associations with you know nefarious people right and i i really hope that i mean i think the movie's doing well so i think we're pretty likely to get a sequel that is something that i hope we'll see more of in the sequel because that seems like very fertile um Mm -hmm. soil (laughs) Mm -hmm. like i loved that they made her an arkham like that mm-hmm. that uh, all of a sudden like when i saw that in the theater i was like oh shit and i kind of sat back and was like oh i like where this is going well um, i just i have been saying all along that what these movies really need is a serious treatment of arkham asylum um nolan sets a big set piece in arkham in the first film uh, batman begins of his trilogy but it barely the, looks like but it does yeah it's just and, and yeah and then in in um was it todd phillips joker there's there's the what is it arkham hospital or yeah something yeah like where that. he's at the end yeah but it's all very like it's not gothic it's just it's a functional you know um place a hospital I mean, it's, it's With, only called Arkham because it's in Batman. It could be called anything right. else. Yeah, I, I the, will say we do briefly see Arkham <laughs> in Batman Forever. There you go. There um, you go. And <laughs> when that pops up on screen, you're like, wow, that's right. That looks like Arkham Asylum. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's one of the things the movie gets right. Yeah. yeah. Um, At the very so end. I, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I remember thinking like, where was that? though? So I, I do think like the movies need more attention paid to that place. And, and certainly there's that great scene with Riddler and you know who uh, in the film that alludes to that possibility. So, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the graphic novel is terrific. I also really, really enjoyed the video game series, you know, that started with Arkham Asylum. Like I know that, you know, there's some, cheese ball stuff in it too but also like just as far as pure atmosphere goes like and i felt like the the the, this movie also gave us some of that like when they go to the orphanage and stuff it looked a lot like the orphanage from arkham knight um Mm -hmm. like things like that i was like oh that you know like this i've been wanting to see that in a batman movie and i felt like we got some of that like i remember seeing the um like early in the movie, there's like the Gotham version of Times Square. You see a wide yeah. shot of it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is the Gotham I've been waiting to see that the Arkham games kind of gave us hints of, uh, but we haven't really seen it in a movie because Christopher Nolan's big idea for Gotham was, what if it's just Chicago? <laughs> right. <laughs> Somebody said that on Twitter. Well, and then by, by the end of The Dark Knight Rises, it's, it's Chicago, Philadelphia, and New York, I think. Seriously. Right. <laughs> um so yeah it was um you know I, I i think there's a lot to love about the the nolan trilogy but um but yeah i the the attention to atmospherics in this one really um i found very thrilling and heartening like getting to the the gothic of gotham so to speak um that yeah it, i the more I talk about it, the more I like it and the more excited I am to, to see it again at some point. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to make another trip to the theater for three hours, but I'll certainly buy the, the movie when it comes out on home video and watch it. No, yeah. On the couch. Sure. I, was, I was saying like, I, I probably won't ever like sit down and watch it again in its entirety in one sitting. Uh, but, you know, I walked in 
my wife and I had watched it and you know going into it I said like hey there's a three hour super serious Batman movie coming out uh if you're interested in that and she's like you don't seem that interested and I'm like you know like I'm you know I'm not gonna say anything until I see it but you know if it's anything if it's the worst of what I expect then yeah I'm not I'm not looking forward to it and but we walked in and maybe like 45 minutes into it I turned to her and I'm like I'm fucking loving this she's like you this is awesome <laughs> like you know it it um you know like yeah like like Sean was saying it it puts the like the the environment and the atmosphere like Gotham is a character again for the first time since I would say uh you know probably since uh Batman Returns um you know whereas you know Christopher Nolan's for all the, his trilogy for everything that's great about it like you said like it's it could take place in in Chicago or Philly or New York it doesn't like it doesn't matter where it's taking place it's just that's just a, it's just a set piece you know like the the fact that Gotham in my opinion needs to be a character uh is crucial to Batman because otherwise you know like this is like the city that he's trying to clean up this is a city that took his parents and as a result, he's trying to clean up. If it's just some, you know, faceless, you know, no, no pun intended, metropolis, then it kind of takes a little bit away from that. And I, I think to some degree, it needs to shape him too, right? Like, I think that if the, the city has a certain feel, then it, he makes more sense within that aesthetic too than he does in Chicago, on the streets of Chicago. Right. <laughs> well, you and know? that that's one of the things when I we, we rewatched uh, The Dark Knight recently and... I feel like every time I rewatch the Burton films, they age well, at least the first film for sure. I mean, I, I will say Batman Returns. I do really love that movie, but for different reasons. Yeah. For totally different reasons than I love the first one, mainly because it's a fantasy. It's just a pure fantasy. Right. Um, but rewatching, um, I think the Burton films age really well because they exist outside of time and place and they're a world unto themselves. And like you said, Sean, it, it, it shapes the character, the place where he is. Um, Rewatching the dark Knight, um, I was sort of struck by how Batman seems odd in the locations where he is. I mean, he seems out of place at times a little bit like, um, and it could just be that there are some things in the, in the costume and the silhouette of the costume that sort of bug me. I, you know, it's just minor things, but I, I've I always thought that completely happy with that costume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I always thought that, that Chris, Christian Bale's face looks weird. Like it sort of pulls his face forward and, and makes his cheeks puffy. And it's a strange way they've cut the, the cowl. Yeah. Um, but, but anyway, uh, like I, I think Batman seems and that's sort of nolan i guess too wanting everything to be rooted in realism to a degree that it could exist um maybe the the ultimate lesson learned there is batman just can't exist in a in a typical cityscape like he's just he's out of place and i think that's something i would give Zack snyder credit for too like he manages to get those iconic images of batman and and batman feels right in the yeah in the gotham that exists yeah i mean his batman looks amazing like i remember seeing batman v superman in the theater for the first time and that first scene 
where Batman shows up when the cops find all those women who've been like held hostage. And Batman is like sort of hanging out in the background, like trying to hide from them and then starts moving. And he's just so damn fast, but he's also massive, like a Frank Miller drawing come to life. Like Zack Snyder has his faults as a filmmaker, but he has an amazing eye. (laughs) So like that, and that, that I will give him credit for all day, every day for the rest of my life. I don't think you could ever fault him uh, for for his movies, not looking cool or like, you know, Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I guess, like, if if we saw someone like Batman, like, if we, you know, if Sean and I drove to Dallas and saw a <laughs> muscled man dressed up as a giant bat, we would think, like, what, what, like, what the is fuck? there a parade? Like, yeah. what, like, <laughs> like, this is Reunion Tower. That's the American Airlines Center. Like, what the fuck are you doing? But right. so, like, there, it has, like, the city that he operates in has to have like a certain vibe, more or less. And you yeah, know, because and, Gotham has a vibe. Well, and I think about the air, the places where we see Batman in the Nolan films and from the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises. Um, Batman Begins has the Gotham in that is very much like pretty it's pretty good. Like I think, especially when you get toward the end with with the Arkham Escape and, and the Narrows. The Narrows, yeah. That's that looks great. And that feels like Gotham. I would and agree I think, with that, yeah. I think part of that is Gotham has to have an, a heightened artificiality to it mm-hmm. to be what it is. And when you think about like in the dark night, we first see Batman in a parking garage. <laughs> <laughs> like, and, I know that I've been in parking. Garage yeah. Before. And it's sort of funny too, because it's a parking garage and there's all those other Batman who are <laughs> yeah, pretending to be Batman. with shotguns. <laughs> <laughs> right. And when Batman himself finally shows up, we definitely know that's Batman, but it still feels like he could just be, you know, uh, some he's a guy in a bat suit gear. in a, yeah. well, not in hockey gear, but he is a, he is a guy in a bat suit in a parking garage. Like he's right, not right. perched on something. He's not being iconic. And that's, that's unfortunate, I think, because, you know, film is film and, you know, Batman yeah. is Batman. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a really good point. Um. But I don't, I don't want to give the impression to, to listeners or to either of you that I hate Christopher Nolan. I don't I actually really love the dark Knight in a lot of ways. I mean, yeah. And well, and I, I feel like it's pretty common to sort of take the first really critical look at the previous successful iteration of the character. Like when the Tim Burton hit, movie hit i remember like you know everybody kind of turned their nose up at adam west for a while and then and that was part of the marketing of that movie like was it really warner brothers actively pushed in their marketing this is not the 66 tv series in fact i have um i have this sort of the batman the official book of the movie oh my god i checked that out from the library as a kid (laughs) if you look in the introductory pages of this book it talks specifically about i'm just going to find the quote here um the very first lines in this book um beetlejuice director tim burton has made his own version of batman for the big screen commissioned by warner brothers and a product of his own imagination it owes more to the early comics than the television series but will find no difficulty in attracting fans of of both you know, it goes on to to delve into that deeper, but yeah. So I'm sorry, distance right. itself from 
from the camp from the per- perceived camp of the uh of the 66 uh movie from the, right uh, and i the i remember in 2008 2009 it was kind of popular to sort of poo-poo the tim burton batman movie so i did I, I certainly I did, did. too. I, I was, remember rewatching it and being like, this is goofy. Like, this is dumb. <laughs> like, why is he dancing in an art museum? And, <laughs> you know, rewatching it for, you know, for this, for this arc. I was like, man, this is, this is well-made. This is a lot of fun. This is great. And I don't know if it was a, just a reaction of like, you know, very like, you know, the, the superhero genre taking itself too seriously over the past decade or so. Uh, and just sort of like, okay, well, this is just a fun, you know, superhero movie for once, you know, like, yeah, there are stakes and, you know, there, there's tension, but it does, it's not taking itself oh so seriously. Um, but uh, one of the questions that, uh, that Sean posed, and I thought was really interesting, and I want to get, I definitely want to get your take on it. Uh, he asked, politically speaking, Batman is iffy in a post-Trump world. Uh, Bruce Wayne is a billionaire who inherited his money and uses said money to wage an illegal one-man war on crime. Uh, so the question is, have the past few years changed your image, uh, changed your, how you feel about the character, like your image of the character? And is there anything that you feel needs to change about the character to remain relevant and socially responsible in the 21st century? Well, by past few years, I'm assuming we're talking like about... Um social justice we're talking about the environment we're talking about the one percent you know that sort of stuff yeah Yeah. um let's say like from occupy wall street on so like the past decade or so so there's a tendency i think to want to preserve something as we know and love it right so i want batman to always be the batman that i know and love from my childhood but um you know, I think the character based on all of the, what we've been talking about resists that the character changes with the times. Right. Um, so that's kind of a preface to everything I say, I guess, but, uh, talking about the billionaire angle first, um, in a way, um, I think that one of the things that I would like to see change is I would like to see Batman take on more billionaires, more corporate billionaires, more people who are those dark aspects of Bruce Wayne. Um, because I think there is this sort of uncomfortable tension um, with, and, and weirdly enough, the 89 comic series for all of its, you know, maybe flaws it, it does attempt to address some of this, right? right. Um, yeah. There is this idea that if Batman is leaping off of rooftops into alleyways and beating up petty, petty criminals, you know, maybe that gets uncomfortable at a certain point when we're dealing with police brutality and we're talking about how the cops treat people with certain skin color and so on and so forth. Um, so you, I think there is a kind of way that we could shift Batman away from dealing with that level of crime and even talking about like corrupt gangsters like the batman the movie deals a lot with gangsters you know maroni and and falcone these these guys are like fixtures now in every movie since um i don't know it goes all the way back again batman forever um (laughs) there's a brief shot in batman forever with the with the harvey dent origin story where they reference boss maroni who throws the acid on him um but anyway, um, so yeah, like I would like to see that. I think 
you know, corporate billionaires. And, and I don't know how that would work with Batman's persona. You know, it might be more about Bruce Wayne. And I think the Batman does attempt to sort of address that with the, the idea that Thomas Wayne had dirty laundry and he took care of, uh, was it Falcone because, you know, he had secrets he didn't want to get out and he used his money and influence. And then there's also this added layer of, um, um, he set up the, the fund for, what was it? The, the orphanages, the renewal um, fund, yeah, the renewal fund. And, uh, and after he, after they died, they immediately, <laughs> like he didn't really safeguard that money in any way. Um, because immediately it became divided up among all of these, these ruthless bastards. Um, so I think there is a kind of like, I like that revisionist take on Thomas Wayne, that he wasn't the saintly figure that he, and we've seen that a little bit before in the past, but uh, the, the movie really kind of touches on that, but doesn't maybe doesn't go deep enough with it. And, and if I were criticizing it. Um, well, yeah, yeah. And there's also that really interesting scene at the funeral when the, the, the mayoral candidate is like, Hey, you're not doing anything to, do to help. Yeah. You could do yeah. more essentially. Um, yeah. Which I'd never heard somebody say to Batman, or at least to Bruce Wayne in a movie before. Right. And in, in Batman returns, he's actually fighting um, Max Shrek on the project that he's trying to develop the power plant. So there's this idea that Bruce is taking responsibility. It's like a social responsibility for Gotham as a, as a rich industrialist. Um, I did like that def- scene. Yeah. Yeah. And there's nods toward that in the other films with or in Batman forever with Val Kilmer, there's stuff about, you know, responsibility in the way that we deal with technology. And then of course, in the Nolan films, there's all the surveillance stuff that, that um, he deals with and, and says, you know, I won't be a part of this. Um, the Morgan Freeman character, Lucius Fox. So there's definitely a vein of like social responsibility that's running through this and in terms of like how we wield our influence as rich white men or whatever. Um, But I think that could go in, in in less of a benevolent way. Like, you know, it's not, it's like, we're going to use this for good, but it could fall into the wrong hands as opposed to no, we're rotten bastards and we've used our money for evil. I think that's a more interesting kind of take on, on billionaires um so yeah that um i think i'm trying to think of other aspects of that like the post-trump world there's the idea of insurrection and vigilantism january 6th taking Um, taking you know the law into your own hands yeah and yeah and yeah i mean it's uh you know, 10 years ago wasn't anything to like sort of you know think twice about but now you think about like okay like you know if if this you know if you know especially with Christopher Nolan's trilogy if this did happen in real life like how would you know how would we look on Batman would we look at him as a hero or we would we look at him as someone who um you know is circumventing the law and needs to be apprehended uh and yeah, it's, it's it's not something that uh, that there's an easy qu- uh, answer for, but just simply because you know, on, on one hand, you know, we see you see like viral videos of like of people who uh, who stop 
like who stop crimes and they're lauded as heroes but at the same time like you know they're sort of like put in that position unexpectedly whereas you know a character like batman is actively seeking out someone who's right like committing a crime to, to beat them up and i guess like the Unless sort of, he's in Batman Returns, sitting in his study, waiting on the yes, <laughs> sitting there like, in the dark, waiting. For I the, love that so much. He's being irresponsible. Um, <laughs> he's like, I'm, he's like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be a bugaboo. I'm just going to wait till they call me. <laughs> um, and sort of like, and that, you know, especially after, um, I guess, in the past, like five years or so, like the, the, the sort of like meme view of it all would be like, oh yeah, like Batman is someone with mental health problems running out into the streets and beating up other people with mental health problems when he could be using his money to you know, pretty much cure all of it. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's funny because it's so simplistic. Um, that's, it's a very like, you know, simplistic view on it, but I mean, there is, there is some truth to that. And I like the fact that it was addressed in, in Reeves Batman movie with the yeah. you know, mayor elect saying like, Hey, like, your, you know, your family is known for their philanthropy, but as far as I can see, like you've done nothing. Um, and that's that's part of his arc is learning that responsibility to something beyond himself. Um, because there's that early scene where Alfred tells him the accountants are here, and and he's just like, eh, that's yeah. not my thing. Like I'm not into yeah. the money thing. And you get the sense later in the film, based on what we learned, that that he's partly responsible for that that's spider-man letting the guy go you know yeah. that's that's the um neglectful attitude that sort of leads to maybe these accountants are the same ones that have been you know shortchanging the city and and dealing adversely with the wayne foundation and that money yeah yeah, yeah I, I hadn't considered that yeah like that's um i mean because that money's going somewhere obviously you know it's not, mm-hmm. it's not going it to where it needs to be and it, it might be like you know the fact like hey like this dumb kid isn't you know giving us any oversight let's kind of let's let's, uh, let's do whatever we want bit. yeah and and the movie is smart in the way that it deals with that because it keeps him from looking like a fool because he is clearly uh, a broken individual like he's clearly someone who even if he were meeting with the accountants it wouldn't matter because he he does not possess the the mental faculties to deal with that level of responsibility right now he's on to something else he's obsessed with this other thing he's he yeah, is he has, so, you know, mentally uh, ill singularly focused on hyper fixated yeah yeah very much hyper fixated on on fighting crime and not you know what you know you know what is what the you know the 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 wealth the fortune that he has at at his disposal you know what you know because i I guess he thinks of it like you know the the this renewal money is you know it's not enough because if it was then you know you know gotham would be fine but it's crime that's bringing gotham down not realizing that well like all that money isn't going where it needs to be so like that's not even like you know so we're operating at a at a disadvantage to begin with right mm-hmm. you shot yourself in the foot before you even walked out the door uh, well yeah and i i wonder too is with batman in particular you know i feel like he walks a line that the punisher has just trampled all over right which is the brutality right. angle um and 
one of the things I really, again, liked about the movie about the Batman was the way it leaned into the idea of helping people, not just waging a war on an idea because crime isn't a single person or, or, or an enemy nation. Like you can't wage a war on an idea or an abstract, you know, it's like a war on drugs or a war on terror. Um, you know, you can't not successfully anyway. And mm-hmm. one of the reasons that I always liked the Christopher Reeve Superman so much um, and why the Zack Snyder one kind of broke my heart was because in the former Superman is helping people all the time. Like he saves, there's the, you know, he's concerned with people constantly. Like that's mm-hmm. whereas you get into man of steel and it's like, ah, oh, fuck it. Let's wreck the city. <laughs> I fight this dude who killed mm-hmm. my dad. Um, you know, mm-hmm. a real George W. Bush, uh, uh, Superman kind of, um, and which broke my heart because Superman, um, mattered a, a lot to me as a kid. I can, um, I can vouch for that. I was sitting in the movie yeah. theater at the IMAX with him sitting next to him and halfway through he's thinking like, poor Sean, <laughs> poor dumb Sean. I know well, I've been waiting my whole life to get a, like a good Superman movie, like, and I, Superman Returns didn't really do it. I mean, it's got things I like about it. And, and then we get Man of Steel. And again, there are a few things I like about it. But like, we've gotten so many good Batman movies. <laughs> and Spider-Man uh, movies. Oh, yeah. And Spider-Man. Like, Batman and Spider-Man. I, I don't know if it's just that the characters lend themselves more to drama that's easy to... I don't know. I don't know what well, it is. Well, I, th- I think with Snyder and Superman there that there's a segue there into Batman too. Um, I think he doesn't get Superman. I think there's something about that altruism and that um, purity, purity that he just doesn't get as a, as a, as an artist or writer or creator or whatever, um, which is unfortunate. I, but I remember readings like someone had said like, like, he's trying to um he's trying to force an angst on superman that isn't mm-hmm. there like he doesn't realize that the any angst or tension from superman comes from the fact that he can't help people enough like he can't right. be everywhere at the same time and he can't help yep. everyone like that's the yeah, angst and tension that comes with superman that's a really good point and which, which the segue into batman is what, the best thing about batman superman uh, snyder's film is the opening uh, where we drop down to the ground of Metropolis and this battle is taking place, you know, off in the far flung sky and buildings are falling and there's Bruce Wayne racing to get to his building to try and help people and pull people from the rubble. And so that kind of goes back to the idea about money and billionaires for me, because I think there's an episode of Batman, the animated series where I, I think it's called the forgotten. It's about, um, Oh, it's is about that the one some, where they've got the work camp for the, yeah, they're kidnapping the, work camp, the miners, they're homeless people who yeah. are being kidnapped he and gang pressed. The, uh, the, the, the bat plane, the bat wing, whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. amnesia. Yeah. That's he a great gets one. amnesia. And the whole point of that episode to me is that Bruce Wayne is Bruce Wayne. 
and money batman is batman money or not memory or not of what he is being batman he will help people right he will try to help people and that's like this intrinsic nature and so you know a story i would like to see is what if bruce bruce wayne wasn't rich i mean there's an idea like we've seen him lose his house we've seen him lose his trappings of wealth but we've never seen him lose his wealth and so for me there's a there's an essence there that with the character one of the things that i think to address all of that stuff how do we deal with a vigilante in the modern age when vigilanteism has run amok and tried to destroy democracy well these people aren't empathetic for other people these people aren't out for anything other than what they want right i i think the core essence of of that character uh, of batman and bruce wayne is empathy for people who are uh, broken people who are like him again it's the kid in the rubble uh the mayor uh, the mayor's son and so um as long as that is there i think the character will still be relevant and still be useful in a world where vigilanteism is problematic if there is a world where it's not problematic yeah absolutely and i but i think is the other thing that the animated series did pretty well is batman is often very empathetic towards the villains in the show like he wants them to get better like i remember there's a really heartbreaking episode where harley gets out of arkham i think harley quinn and basically through a series of circumstance and just whatever, like has a really bad day and basically ends up in trouble again. And Batman is actually, I mean, he still has to take her in, but he's really kind to her when he does it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that's something that goes a long way towards making him feel less icky is just like, like you said, that empathy, that feeling of like, we're going to get like, clearly this is somebody who needs help. She's violent. So I have to stop her, but also she needs help. And, you know, I want to see that she gets it. Um, yeah, and just, that, that's throwing that's her the, in jail. Isn't going to solve anything. Right. When that's, that's the whole crux of the killing joke, right. Is the premise for that is he comes to him to, to the Joker and says, look, we've been trying to kill each other. I, I want to help you. Um, and of yeah. course, yeah, He's already it gets gone. away from him. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't quite go the way he wants it to. Yeah, well, Andy, this has been a fantastic conversation. Like you said, like at the beginning, that like, like we could literally talk about Batman until like we pass out um, from lack of sleep. Um, but we do have to sleep at a certain point. But so we'll go ahead and finish this off with one last question. Do you have a favorite Batman villain of his rogues gallery? Does, does is there one that especially catches your eye it's a boring answer but um it's always the joker um I mean, especially there's a reason, mark hamill there's a reason joker. vanilla ice cream is so popular <laughs> well and you know like the, the the character like batman is so versatile and enigmatic he can change uh with the various incarnations of batman too He's the dark reflection of him um, in, which is ironic given, you know, how colorful he is, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I think other characters are fun and, and delightfully grotesque, but 
but ultimately uh, the Joker is sort of the Ur villain. He was there first and he's the one that will be there at the end, I think. Yeah, he's definitely the the yin to Batman's yang. You know, there's that amazing line that Heath Ledger delivers where um, he says, I, I have a feeling that we're going to be doing this forever. And mm. uh, I mean, like, that's it's perfect. I mean, like, I feel Christopher Nolan understood the Joker character better than uh, previous directors simply because, you know, he's... He described him in the in the like the lead up in the promo of the film as a force of nature. He just shows up, is, and then we have to deal with the fallout. And mm-hmm. you know, I hadn't really seen, I hadn't seen like that. And that's part of that's partly why, like Sean was talking about in the, you know, around the time that uh, the Nolan trilogy was kicking off, it became sort of like um, uh, hip to like bash the the Tim Burton uh, films. Because that, you know, I was ready for that version of the Joker, like the sort of Joker that I had seen in comics before. Um, the I scary po- Joker, yeah. yeah. The scary, like the, you know, the very like terrifying, like this is a, this this person is not well and very dangerous. Uh, and I would always point to, and I can't remember the name, but you might you might be able to, to help me out, but it's, a, it's like a one shot, like a graphic novel one shot where the Joker is actually sentenced to death, sentenced to be executed for a crime he actually didn't commit. And Batman's sense of justice is so that, you know, he can't let that happen. So he has to like actively like uh, solve the, the mystery as to like who committed this crime. And so early on in the, in the story, the Joker is talking to his um, court appointed attorney and he's like, well, it's simple. We'll just like plead insanity. And the attorney's like, uh, it's, it's not as easy as you think. Pleading insanity is in, in the judicial sense is very difficult and it's hard to prove. And the Joker just slams his own face against the table and like the next panel, his like nose is like twisted and busted open and blood everywhere. And he says, I don't think it'll be a problem. And I was like, <laughs> I don't remember this one. And I'm like, I want to see that Joker so bad. And that's, and we got that with Heath Ledger. And, um, and I don't know, um, you know, like Sean mentioned earlier, there, there hasn't been an official announcement, but based on re- critic react, critical reaction and based on box office uh, revenue, well, probably, you know, Matt Reeves will probably get to get get to make a second Batman movie and it will probably see the Joker in it um, as it's alluded to at the end of of, uh, of the Batman. So I don't I don't know what kind of Joker we'll see. And to your point, like, but that's that's fine because the Joker is very versatile and very malleable and and can just be the reflection of whatever type of Batman we have at the time. Mm hmm. Yeah, one thing I liked about the Batman, and I would hope that they will carry this forward to the depiction of the Joker as well, is that, you know, it's it doesn't exactly reinvent the wheel. It just takes all the best parts of the previous wheels and like kind of makes the, you know, the uh, a really good synthesis of what made the other wheels work if that makes sense. And so like, I don't feel like Reeves has to necessarily reinvent the Joker. He just has to bring that same solid storytelling sensibility um, to that character. And I think, you know, um, you know, I think we're going to be in for a treat. I think Mm -hmm. it's going to be great. I agree. Uh, Well, Andy, uh, do you, do you have anything to plug? Do you want to um, let the, let the folks listening at home across the globe, where they can find you on the <laughs> on the interwebs. 
Uh, yeah. I mean, if you want to know more about my work, my writing, I'm on Twitter at the Andy Davidson. Uh, my website is the Andy Davidson.com. Uh, I write horror. Uh, and you know, I have great hopes in my heart that I will not, uh, see the end of my life having never been commissioned to write a Batman story. <laughs> <laughs> Andy's written, uh, some very good books and you've got a new one coming out later this year, right? Yeah. There's, there's one coming out in October. It's called the hollow kind. Yeah. So keep an eye out for that. Um, I'm very excited to read it. Um, I'm still angling to try and get an arc. So, uh, oh, you're you're getting one. They're coming. Okay. Uh, I will say, I will say, the arcs are coming uh, at the end of March. That's what oh, I've been told. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, and of so, course, we will have uh, links to all that in the show notes. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Andy. Like this has been. Uh, it's always you know. I mean, you know, we've said it before. Like part of the reason we started this show is so we could talk to people. Uh, that are much smarter than us uh, about the things that interest us. So, so yeah, it was, uh, once again, we have succeeded in that regard. So yay thanks. us. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me guys. Absolutely. Thank you for being here. Well, that about wraps it up for us here at fandom university this week. Uh, join us in a couple of weeks as we begin our season finale we discuss the Silent Hill franchise, the video games, the movies, the comic books of it all. Uh, just as a little teaser, uh, our, I remember playing the first Silent Hill when it came out with Sean. Uh, you know, we were in high school. Uh, we, we still have a, a joke that we reference from time to time that we made about the game, which is if, if you knew anything about us, that's very on brand for us. <laughs> um, but uh, I, we kind of, I know I did, I dropped off after that. Never really, I knew Silent Hill was around. I knew they were still releasing games, but I never got back into it and uh, playing through the games and watching these, uh, these playthrough YouTube videos. Uh, it's, it's heavy stuff. It's, it's unlike, I want to say it's unlike, anything i've ever experienced in the video game genre it's something else it is definitely not your daddy's resident evil resident evil is actually old enough you can say that now it's this true. Ain't your daddy's resident evil and it's true yeah like i i am a father uh i i remember the original resident evil on playstation one uh, so yeah, we'll, we, we'll be talking about that. It's a two-parter to finish off season one of Fandom University. So I would hope that you would um, join us. If you've been along for the ride this long, you might as well stick around till we get until we get to the end, till we get to our destination. The bitter end. Because you've you've already devoted this much time. Yeah. Which is, which if is you a log- walk out now, who's going to want you? Which is a logical <laughs> fallacy, actually. It's like, just, just stop. Just like, you don't have to keep, you know, putting in resources and energy and time and all any of it. You just could stop. Stop right now if you don't want but to. But we hope you're enjoying your time with us because we've certainly enjoyed doing this. Absolutely. So thank you once again for listening. Again, you can find all of Andy's uh, info in the show notes regarding uh, his work, uh, both released and upcoming. And uh, all of our stuff is in there as well. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Sergio. My name is Sean. Be kind to yourself and to others.